Yo, 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 welcome, welcome to another episode with Ignite the Spark Within Podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian Hernandez, and I am here to empower world-class leaders like yourself to create a life on your own terms. On these podcasts, we will be exploring the mysteries of self-mastery, shamanism, mysticism, conscious sexuality, and overcoming depression and anxiety. We'll be interviewing some of my very own tribe members from around the world and share some of our personal stories. We'll be discovering and implementing tools and strategies for living a more fulfilled life. So, join me on this journey of self-discovery and let's ignite that spark within together. A little bit about your host. I am a U.S. Navy veteran, served in the USS Ronald Reagan, was shaman apprentice, an international self-mastery coach, author, and conscious sexuality facilitator. Now, my mission is to support and empower world-class leaders like yourself, reminding you of the impact that you're meant to make in this lifetime. So if you want to learn more, if you bout that life, stay tuned for today's episode. Season 1, episode number 14, The Evolved Masculine, interviewing men's coach, Destin Garrick. All right, yo, 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 welcome to this week's episode as we interview a very powerful influencer in the men's movement toward really raising the standard of what it means to be a man in today's day and age. Now, not only is he a friend and a personal mentor of mine, but you've probably already heard of me talking about him on some of my past episodes on really how he's helped me really step into my own highest self. Right now, he's known internationally for his work and for his commitment, specifically for helping men. Um, he's a published author, which I highly recommend. Go check out his book, which is The Evolved Masculine. And and especially through his specific through his work, he's been able to help thousands of men really step into and align with their their evolved masculine. So with no further delay, let me introduce to you one and only Mr. Destin Garrick. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> Hippa. I love the introduction. Thank you very much, Sebastian. Really an honor to be here. Yes, man. Absolutely, man. Thank you for being here, dude. You're definitely someone that, like I mentioned, um, I, that has inspired me on so many different levels and continue to inspire me, um, not only for how you show up for yourself, how you show up for your family, but how you show up for your community, how you show up for men in today's day and age that like when I came to you, I was lost. Like I really needed support. I needed guidance. I needed a man, an influential, powerful, strong alpha man that can really help me kind of understand what I want to do. And you were able to provide that for me. So I really want to take today as an opportunity to kind of get to know a little bit about you, right? And this is more than me getting to know you, but my audience getting to know you because they've heard about you, but who is Destin Garrick, right? So okay, so I, I just, before we go there, I just want to speak to your audience for a moment just a moment about you because it, it has been some time now i'm eight years yeah that's roughly my guess i don't know um yeah close to that uh, yeah. since we first connected and, and yeah you uh it was a strange sort of happenstance that that uh connected our lives but yeah you were lost but you also had a similar energy that you have today which is just this intense 
fire and energy within yourself, a drive, this clearly you had something in you that you were intent on doing something. You were also very intent on your own growth and you were really, it was clear as well that you were intent on service and service to others. So it's really been an honor, a privilege uh, to witness what you have done with all of that and to have been able to play any sort of a, a role in your journey. It's, it's truly been lovely. Thank you, brother. Thank you. And like you said, divine intervention at its finest, right? And I actually talked about how we got to meet each other in one of the past episodes. So for those that are listening, definitely go check out some of the past episodes where I talk about that. So thank you, Dustin. Um, and I kind of, I guess where we can start off is how did your journey start? So um, let's take the case that some of the listeners uh, can be both men and women, Right. But that have struggled with self-esteem, have struggled with clarity, have struggled with identifying who they truly are and their role in this world. Um, and I kind of want to know, how did you figure out your path and how did that come about? Trauma, uh, <laughs> uh, pain, struggle. <laughs> and uh, I think that one of the things I have going for me is a combination of resilience and relentlessness. Um, I I don't give up. I uh, so I've been knocked down by life many times, many times. And like there's this ancient Japanese proverb what, that I'm a big fan of: "Fall down seven times, get up eight. And that is very much a refrain from my life. Um, but. Mm, so I think where I'm stumbling is there's so many different places I could start this story from. Uh, I start my book with the story of my my high school sweetheart being raped on her uh, 15th birthday and how I ended up being the first person that she told. We ended up being together for the next few years. And uh, while obviously this had a major impact on her life, it had a major impact on me as well. Um, I ended up at some point in exasperation. I made some declaration to God, universe, the world, myself, first and foremost, that I would do everything I could with my life to create a world where things like that didn't happen anymore. And in many ways, that was a choice point in my life that directed so much. It was not a straight line by any means. I didn't know what that meant, <laughs> what that was going to look like. You know, I was still trying to figure out how to walk these very like narrow cookie cutter paths that were presented to me uh, it, it, through grade school. Um, but I also took in a very strong message at that time that um, that I can't that men can't be trusted, and especially men's sexuality can't be trusted. Mm -hmm. And um, I started disconnecting from other men. I started basically isolating myself entirely from other men. No um, no more male friends. All the people in my life started to be women. They started confiding in me more and more about their own traumatic experiences at the hands of men, which furthered that spiral and had me further disconnect from these, from my sexuality and the ma more masculine parts of myself as I just didn't seem safe to me. And so over the next decade, um, I became increasingly, I don't know, femme in my expression as I was um, surrounded by women in every form and afraid of men and my own masculinity. 
Finally, in my late 20s, I recognized something's off. Something's not wor- working. <laughs> and and I, I get the sense that there's something relating to my sense of what it is to be a man. Mm. My relationship to this elusive thing called masculinity. And so I did. I went on this deep dive that started really 2007, uh, which I can't believe is 16 years ago now. Uh, so more like 16 and a half years ago. Um, I decided to make that year the year that I actively explored my masculinity and my sexuality and figure out what these things mean to me, not just some societal notion or... Um, or, you know, what we'll say the more like uh, conservative side of our political social uh, spectrum says it's supposed to mean, not what the more like uh, lefty sides say that's supposed to be like, what, like all of that seems like it's messing me up. Like, what does this mean to me? Can I pause real quick? Cause I'm actually, before you get to that, I'm actually really curious because you were around a lot of women, right? And, and, and I'm curious, is that the time when you were the erotic rock star? No, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Okay. okay. Not yet. So in that time, but up until that, how did your energy being feminine impact yeah. your relationship with women? Uh, I was the safe guy. You were you safe? Know? Okay. I, I was safe. So yeah. I, I would regularly be invited into all women's environments, mm-hmm. you know, where um, uh, including backstage and dressing rooms at times too. And, um, but you know, it, it gave me some really great insights into the world of women that most men don't ever get. Like, I'm very grateful to this part of my path as well. Uh, I'm glad I didn't stay there forever, but <laughs> I'm also very grateful for the gifts that it brought me. The, like when, when women felt that level of deep safety around me, they opened up and shared parts of themselves, their lives, their insecurities, their fears, their secret hopes and dreams and fantasies that quite often they'd never said to another man before in their lives or since. Yeah. But now I'm curious though, because now do you feel that that level of safety is equivalent to attraction? No, not at all. Not at all. Ah, okay, that's um, what I'm curious about. Yeah, yeah. I got I, so that, so I, I've come to the, speak of this as the magic formula of um, uh, uh, when it comes to men. Um, I don't know when you're talking about seducing or uh, yeah, creating sexy experiences with a woman. Um, the magic formula of safety and the sparking of desire and how. Uh, too many men focus on one or the other while neglect while neglecting the other. So oh, during this period, violence. I love that. Yes. So it, it the magic formula really is in finding that right balance. And there's the, the truth is that that balance is not static. There isn't one single uh, balance between the two for every woman is not even a single formula or balance there for the same woman throughout her life. It changes at different parts of her life and across different women. But it is extremely important to keep both of these pieces in mind. So when we're talking about safety, there's physical safety, something that um, a lot of people don't really, really get to the degree that safety, like how 
much is held inside of a woman's psyche, emotion, body, um, from physical safety, like, hey, uh, you know, if you go out, out to a bar and you meet a woman you're attracted to, your biggest concern is probably about whether you get rejected or not. Um, her biggest concern is, is this guy going to turn to a stalker? Is he going to rape me? Is he going to attack me outside of here? Is he going to go or switch it? So this is the physical side or moving on to the emotional safety side. Is he going to go and spread it all? All sorts of rumors around town start saying I'm a slut, I'm this core, I'm da 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 da, you know. So, so helping a woman feel safe in both these areas, physically safe as well as emotionally safe, that you are holding her heart. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are making a deep commitment to her. It could. That's certainly one way or one part of having her heart feel held or safe. But you can create a high degree of emotional safety even in a one night stand. But it also involves giving it your attention, which leads to the other side of things. So, so we have men who are just focused on like getting that pussy, so to speak, and they're not really thinking about her needs for, for emotional and physical safety, her needs for comfort. Um, uh, he's just focused on how do I get in there? Now, there are other men, which is more of what I was focused on during that decade, um, which is I don't want to make her feel, I don't want to make any woman ever feel uncomfortable with me. Uh, I don't want to be seen as that guy or creep or blah, 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 blah. And so, you know, he, uh, the tendency or particularly a stereotype is to nice her to death. Like just to, to come across as, oh, I'm just, a, I'm, I'm sweet. I'll do anything for you. Wait, oh, nothing to make you uncomfortable, et cetera. But, uh, and then just hopes if, if I'm nice enough, then she'll see what a good guy I am and want to want to be with me, want to have sex with me, be interested in me, whatever. Yeah, she'll value um, me because I'm so nice to her. Yeah. And, but you, you talk to men who fall into this camp and they are often can carry resentment I'm wondering, like, why is she not interested in me or any of the she's? And instead, she keeps going for these asshole guys. Yeah. So, again, this brings back to the magic formula. Can you hold both of these at the same time? I love that. Can you hold, can you hold the fact that, yes, uh, yes, you desire her. She turns you on. You, you find her sexy. And she's this human being, somebody's daughter, sister, on mother, grandmother, what, what, what have you, with her own hopes, dreams, needs, fears, wounds, and, and, you know, hold the totality of that, hold the totality of her with that. So here's another uh, uh, key distinction that I've kind of discovered along the ways as to how to do that is as, as a man, it, feel your desire. Don't stuff your desire. Okay. Don't make your desire her responsibility. It's no, your no, no, desire. The, 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 break that down for me. I feel like you just said you just spoke gold. <laughs> it, it is. And this is. You know, I've had like I've been in my field for so freaking long. I'm, I'm sorry. Like just very quickly run through like these are, these are things. Yeah, it took me like 15 years to figure this one out. <laughs> um, uh, so the. <laughs> So this is actually tied up into my sexual self-mastery uh, part of my work as well, is that as men, we often have this idea that if we experience turn on or desire in our body, we, we got one or two options. 
either I'm turned on, I need to figure out how to like get off. I need to figure out how, how to, um, you know, e- either, either masturbate and get up that way or like um, get in bed with her or at least get that number, that kiss, whatever. I, I feel desire. I have to do something with it. Mm-hmm. And the other side is, oh, it's not appropriate. I have to shut it down. And so what I'm really speaking to is this third way, which is learning how to be with your desire, to just hold the feeling of desire in your system. It has a feeling to it. You know, you might feel a little vibration in your body. So, you know, my favorite of the phrases in, in you know, common use is turned on. And I like this phrase because it is a lot like that, right? When, when your attraction is sparked, it's, sparked it's like a switch turns on and it's like you have more electricity more energy suddenly like flooding through your system your senses heightens you're more like that is a gift yeah enjoy it feel it don't need to shut it down don't need to do something with it. It's not her fault. She didn't do something to you. She's not the cause of your blue balls. Like this is, this is the gift that her presence has, her presence has given you. It's something for you to experience in your body. Feel so, it. What does so it feel what, like? So what I'd like to say about that, it's like, so what about shame? When shame can come up with that, right? Because it's like, oh, my God, I'm feeling horny. I'm feeling these emotions. Maybe it's not appropriate right now. Or maybe this isn't the setting. Or, oh, man, she probably feels it, too. If I'm feeling it, she's feeling it. Right? And, so and wait, 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 wait. Say that for a moment. And what? If you're feeling it, she's, she's probably feeling it. And? Yeah, right? And so, again, like, all these questions can come up. Like, is this appropriate? Like, should I continue? Should I? But I love what you're talking about. It's like, no, just be there. Just stay in that space. So good. So uh, what I, what uh, the point I'm trying to get to is, yeah, if you're really feeling it, she probably is noticing and feeling it. The part that often makes that feel unsafe is the grasping energy that many men bring with that. It's like, I desire you. You're now responsible for that. You owe me something. Um, she often getting back to the safety thing again is needing to scan her threat level. And do I have to, do I, does she now have to nice you to death? Because, well, far too many men, if they feel rejected in some way, you know, can respond, uh, angrily or even violently. Uh, There are way too many things that women (laughs) have had to deal with. And so the more that you're, she's able to really sense and feel that like, that you are holding this. Yeah. That, and, and again, you know, a lot of this is, non, is nonverbal. It really is like, how are you holding this? How are you holding this energy? Can you, can you stay present with that emotion? And I would even say like, even with eye gazing, can you really stay there in that present feeling and not, like you're saying, be like the typical guy that wants to grasp, that wants to touch, that wants to drive but I think you and I have talked about this before, where it's just like, how do you create this attraction and really entice that seduction and like make it spicy or like raise up the heat versus and make it so that it becomes this beautiful dance versus like grasp like this over intensive masculine of like, I want my way. And it's like, I'm a tiger and I'm going to get it and I'm going to destroy. And I feel like that can be intimidating for the safety aspect. What do you do? So 
so many things to respond to there, but um, <laughs> by and large, you know, this is every, anytime you speak about men and women, like these are generalities that, um, that are true often enough that it's worth speaking to, but are definitely not universal. Um, women and people, by, people, period, but women have a tendency to enjoy feeling desired as long as they feel safe and free, free to respond to that feeling being desired however they want to, free to, to just be. And not threatened, like you said, that, it, that they're going to be talked about, that they're going to be harassed, that they can have mm -hmm. that freedom to blossom and not be threatened by it. Mm -hmm. It's, otherwise, it's, it feels good to be desired. It's like, oh, I'm desirable. I don't know, oh, I am sexy or I am still sexy or any of those things. It feel, you know, that feels good when you feel safe. Yeah, I love that. I really do. All right. So, um, so 2007, you realize that you've been too much into your feminine. <laughs> uh, yeah, and more so that I, I started to realize that I was carrying significant wounds around my masculine. Mm, and that I wanted to, I didn't, I don't want to move through the world from wounds. You know, I was getting the message, you know, years early from late teens on that, that, oh, you're just a feminine man. And that I'm just supposed to uh, believe this about myself, take this on as my identity. And just, this is, this is me moving forward. And I came to recognize, no, 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 it's much, that's not really what's going on here. It's that, I'm carrying some deep friggin' traumas <laughs> and so much of how I'm moving through the world is a reaction from those traumas. So I started diving into both the wounds as well as actively exploring, well, what would it be to lean into these more masculine parts of myself? But I'm curious, like what led you to that? Like, for example, men that are listening to this, how yeah. would they question if they have any wounds with men or with their masculine? Well, uh, here, I'll give you a hint. You do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we live. We live in a traumatized world today. It is a traumatized world. We all carry varying degrees of wounds around our masculine. We all carry varying degrees of wounds around our feminine because we all carry elements of both of them inside of us. And whether our our wounds or traumas are as a result of physical, verbal, uh, emotional, sexual abuse, or if it's uh, messaging that we re receive from a young age or from whatever age, this is what you're supposed to do and be, and this is what you're not supposed to do and what you're not supposed to be. And so we start to kill off certain parts of ourselves to try to live into what we're told we're supposed to be. Those are wounds. Okay. Beautiful. I love that. So you realize that you have these wounds, and so you start doing the work. I think I have all of those, by the way. You know, there's <laughs> abuse, there's <laughs> there's emotional drama, there's what I'm told are okay and not okay within me. There's a second, uh, the secondary effects from my various girlfriends' rapes, etc. Over the years, it's uh, so many different pieces. Um, uh, my own sexual molestation. Uh, I. I dreamt up this character, this alter ego that I referred to as the erotic rock star. Mm. <laughs> and, and he was a larger than life figure that I, an archetype that I imagined to help me 
you lean into uh, a an unapologetic sexual expression and unapologetic, I want to say masculine expression, except I was also very clear at that time that I didn't want to, okay, to just flip a switch. And honestly, I see this in a lot of men's work and messaging out there where it's like, okay, you're going to work on your, your, uh, your masculinity now, you know, it's time to get rid of all of your feminine parts of yourself, essentially. And like, I really valued the best of the feminine parts of myself I had cultivated. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I want to continue to cultivate the gift here. I just want to find a way to integrate that in with this masculine exploration. Did you have any mentors that were more on the feminine side that gave you permission to really step into your feminine as well or no? Uh, I don't, don't know if it was so much from, from mentors. Um, like I said, I, it, my mentors in that sense were more, I surrounded myself in. even my roommate and my boss were women um they so including a lot of women who were in their wounds around the traumas that they've experienced at the hands of men and so i think that i got encouragement from them for my more feminine parts of myself because they felt safer yeah. that way um and it, i where i needed the permission was to explore my masculine part of myself yeah. I, because I did not give myself permission before that. And what and was that trigger? What was that thing that gave you permission to start working on your mind? I'm going to give you an answer and then I'm going to give a little caveat. I'd say that the, the big permission piece probably was when I read David Data's Way of the Superior Man mm. uh, in late 2006. Um, uh, the caveat is, on one hand, he is an, an elder on this path. To me, you know, he's 20 some odd years older than me um, and uh, laid down foundations that have made my work easier in many fronts. The other side of that is I came to some different conclusions in some key areas <laughs> and, and that was the hard way. Some of it was I grappled with certain things that, that he taught from his pure belief and confidence that just were not working for me. Did, did not work for me. And I grappled with them for years until ultimately I came to, yeah, I don't agree. In fact, this is what I, I believe instead. And, and part of this is what, one of those things is what I was referencing earlier is as much as I feel like there's a certain lip service made to the fact that we all carry masculine and feminine within ourselves in Data's work. Nonetheless, it, it's like lip service and now men, masculine, women, feminine. And again, my great gift is not rooted in my masculine core. It's not. It's rooted in the, the relationship I have to both these parts of myself. The fact that I've done really deep work around clearing my shit around my feminine parts of myself. That I've done a lot of deep work around clearing my shit around the masculine parts of myself. Um, my great gifts that I have to bring to the world are rooted in the fact, and I was doing this as my erotic rock star as well, that I can move so seamlessly between these parts of myself moment to moment, depending on what's going to serve this moment most. Um, my gifts are rooted in the fact that I'm able to play a kind of translator between men and women. Um, 
you know, the, these are all things that that data's work did not did not provide me with a good language or model for. Yeah, and so it inspired you. It inspired yeah. you to dive into it. Beautiful. So now you got this erotic rock star, and how does that help you evolve in your mascot? Well, for, first of all, like let's just break that down for a moment. I spent seven years in what I call my erotic rock star chapter. Seven years pushing the edges of how can I make this life more erotic, more sexy? How can I make this life more rock star, more fully expressed? Take that knob and turn it up to eleven. And yeah, I think it's um, uh, Tony Robbins who speaks about uh, the quality of our lives is determined by the quality of the questions that we're asking or the questions that we're asking determine the lives that we create. Well, those are the questions I was constantly asking myself. So my life got sexier and sexier and sexier and sexier and more and more out loud. <laughs> um, I traveled all around the world, about 30 countries. I'm um uh that i'd say a woman in every port but really more than a woman in every port i explored by every fantasy um and then some things i never could have imagined beforehand and i did all this while really holding my ethics and values as paramount of as what's most important to me and one of the things that ended up spurring the creation of the erotic rock star was that i is during this time i was diving deep into like the california Tantra, Neo-Tantra world and having these heart-opening experiences, powerful transformational experiences. But at, while I was having that experience, all around me was this explosion of pickup culture. And this is to, the game, Neil Strauss' The Game came out in 2005, 2007. It was pretty much peaking. And so this was all like all around me, massively affecting male culture. And I'm just like, what, what are you doing over there? We're like, what are you doing over here? And, and there was all these things it, that I was seeing in that culture that uh, to, to me seemed like it was kind of reinforcing many of the problems that I felt like I was trying to walk this path to try to find solutions to. So uh, what, so the erotic rock star for me was also about how do I, how do I beat that game? Like, how do I be even more successful with women, so to speak, while like being deeply connected to my heart, actually like really like not just not just loving to fuck women, but loving women, like really loving women and, you know, care, but caring about their well-being and ha main, maintaining and further cultivating my connection to God, the universe, my spirituality, something more. And you know, how do I be all, all of that and be effective, so to speak, in, in creating this sexy, wonderful life? And I did. And I exceeded my wildest dreams in that, it, 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 you know, that was my experiment and it was a resounding success. <laughs> so, so that I love it, speaking about it, the highlight that I feel the pickup artist in that in that world was really about diminishing the feminine it was about like putting them like in this pedestal in this world of like there's this thing that we have to compete against and we have to like win and what you're speaking to is about not necessarily putting on a pedestal but like really giving women the reverence like really giving them like like this opportunity to blossom and the fact that you're the one that gets the op gives them the opportunity to blossom is your gift versus putting them down and making them feel bad to try to get something from them. 
Well, well, I think that the the parts of that that I very much agree with is the well, like to look at the at the phrase the game. You know, the the game always seemed like it was very much rooted in one of you is going to win, and I really want to play the game of how do how do we both win? How do we both end up? better off for our lives connecting however long or short that connection is and yes i very much found that engaging in this place felt was such a breath of a fresh air for so many of these women that um you know uh, the response that i got from women again and again through, through this period was uh was often a sense of like awe a sense of like i Somewhere in me, I knew something like this was possible, and you you made me feel like I'm not insane for even wanting it. Beautiful, dude. Uh, That's what I'm talking and, about. Now, being the type of that, I love, I love that, dude. And and so I was having these experiences again and again. But in retrospect, like at first, I just I was kid in the candy store. You know, I went from from you know what I described before with my like people pleasing, like let me be the safe guy. You know, just what. Um, I just told in that way to uh, all of a sudden, oh my God, like I can, I can basically be with any woman I want. Well, um, what, how about all of them? Uh, <laughs> and so that, that, that I definitely, I definitely went down that route for a minute. <clears throat> uh, but reiterate, you were authentic and you were straight. You weren't, you weren't deceiving these women. You weren't lying. No. To them, you weren't no. promising them the world. And no. like, they, these, authentic and straight and straight up. This is actually one of the other reasons why I played with the erotic rock star title amongst the other things is basically like no qualms, like no hiding who I am. And like, you know, if we're, we're engaging. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to want to get, get sexy with you. You are fully a choice as to whether we are or not, but I'm not hiding that desire. The desire is definitely here. Like, and, and, but, it, you know, it showed up in such a way that, um, that also acknowledged that women have their own sexuality. Women have their own sexual desires. Women have their own fantasies and learn to engage with that. And to play with that, and to be a, and to be a safe space for them to be to be in exploration of their sexuality, mm -hmm. and inviting them to do so. Yeah, because and I feel that when you're, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel this is some of the things that I talk to a lot of my clients, and it's like, look, dude, if you're very upfront with a woman and you tell them directly what you want, what you don't want, they'll be more likely to be upfront with you and tell you, yeah, let's do it, or no. But instead of like playing this game of like trying to deceive and like lie and like pretend and the hard to play and the hard to get, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. They, so this is one of my other issues with, um, with how much of the pickup culture was. So I have, honestly have no idea what's going on in that world these days, but um, what I found problematic about the approach that is presented uh, through what I found challenging around the way pickup culture taught things is I felt it was not only dehumanizing to women, but also to men that you, by teaching men that you have to somehow trick, deceive, coerce, manipulate her into 
uh, into bed with you, you're basically telling men, you're not desirable. You're a woman can't act. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're 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 not good enough. You're not desirable. A woman couldn't just authentically want you, crave you, desire you. You have to play these games to short circuit her faculties and trick her into you know uh, into one of these things with you. No, no, no. Let's first work on those internal beliefs. Let's first work on the value of who you are. Don't just demonstrate high value by like putting on some sort of show and again, tricking her into thinking that you are more valuable than you are. Become a man of high value. Beautiful. The first And it requires you to believe that that's possible for you. Yeah. The fr- matter of fact, so, and we've talked about this. The first person I ever heard that from was uh, Evan Pagan or and that, that time was David D'Angelo with this whole mm. double your dating. And he was the first person in that whole pickup artist scene that was like the one preaching, hey, 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 stop with the tricks and techniques. Become, you want a 10? Become a 12. And I was like, oh, what? You mean I, I just have to work on myself, right? And really like work on becoming, like in your case, becoming that erotic rock star. Well, in my case, it's like becoming my highest version of myself. Like who is the top dog Sebastian, like, how does he yeah. live? How does he, how does he show up in the world? How does it, right? And like, when I got clarity that that version existed, and that was thanks to you with that meditation, I was like, oh, now I have something to, to go towards, to like embody, to like use as a reason to expand who I think I am, <laughs> who I've, who I've been told I was. Right. And mm. so when we get that clarity, I love that. I love it, dude. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious. So I, 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 I am now eight or nine years post erotic rock star. So I'm, I'm now further out of that chapter than I was actually in it. Um, you know, a, after I retired the erotic rock star, for, I, I had a health crisis amongst many other messed up things that occurred in the short period of time. And uh, when I did my next rebirth, my next transformation of self, I was asking myself, well, how do I top that? I don't want to spend the rest of my life like looking back at the good old days and that, you know, the, 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 I peaked at 30 or what have you. So uh, I ended up dreaming up the evolved masculine. And unlike with the erotic rock star, where I identified with, like I am the erotic rock star, but the evolved masculine is always very clear. Uh, with myself first and foremost, that it's not about me being the evolved masculine. The evolved masculine to me is an, an idea. It's much like you just described, Sebastian. It is a place for me to uh, to orient myself towards. Mm. And whereas the erotic rock star was very much for me, I created the evolved masculine very much as a, an a, a, an idea, an antidote to what I saw as a larger ills of our society and um, also as like a counterbalance to all this this conversation around toxic masculinity well okay so we have more and more people who are recognizing okay not that i don't want to do that i don't want to be that well then what well here this is what i found very valuable in my own life and much of it is taking the best i learned during my erotic rockstar years along with the things that i really only understand better through hindsight um, and now mixed with all the things that I've learned since, particularly through be- 
becoming a husband and having children, becoming a father, those things, of course, were massively transformational and have utterly altered how I experience all of uh, life and, you know, weaving it all together. And it turns out that it's not just valuable for me, but it's valuable for many, many others as well. Absolutely. Right. And it gives that sense of clarity as in what to do. And I love how you went like, all right, this was my peak and I'm not going to just let that be the story. It's like, all right, how can I evolve? It was a peak. It was a peak, not my peak. It's like a mountain range. There there have been further peaks (laughs) as well as valleys. And that's where I'm going at, right? Because how many times do we hear people, you know, that they go, well, back in the day when such and such, that was, you know, but it's like after that, it's like they stopped growing. They stopped evolving. They stopped aiming towards something bigger. And I feel you went from, all right, the the erotic, the the erotic rock star, (laughs) the erotic rock star was like this embodiment of like right now, what I get to step into now. And then the evolved masculine now becomes like your compass, like your true north. Like, and this is now something I can continue to evolve into and step into and become greater, not letting that story be the highlight of my life, but rather a really great one, but there's so much more to fill into. And I feel like that's really where, how do we inspire more men that regardless of their age, I was just talking to a buddy of mine and he was talking about how his dad's 75 and he's kind of just like giving up on life. And I'm like, but Mm -hmm. why? Why does 75 have to end? Why do you have to give up then? Why not continue to strive for something bigger? And I feel that when we're able to use tools like what you're talking about of the evolved masculine, of having this higher version of ourselves, it inspires us to not just settle for what we've done. Like, great, it's amazing. But why stop there? What are your thoughts? Uh, Yeah, 100%. I think that we can be exploring and growing throughout our lives. Mm. Um, this is the great gift of our lives that we seem to be capable of uh, becoming more. And there's there's no end there. It's just different different phases will bring different things. Here, here's one thing that I my grayer years are, are teaching me <laughs> is that um, it's not necessary. It doesn't necessarily mean more as in better. Like I, I don't really like to think of oh well the the my evolved masculine years or whatever that they're in just an improvement on or better than or let me feel like um, bad about previous iterations of myself or like my erotic rock star. A lot of people try to get me to essentially talk shit about my erotic rock star year, years aspect, and I'm like, I, it was a beautiful time in my life absolutely beautiful, powerful time in my life. And when I think of the younger me, I want to give him a fucking pat on the back and say, well done. Imperfect, yes, just as I'm being imperfect in how I'm doing this chapter. But like, you know, you did something pretty remarkable. <laughs> and to do it. Even if it's imperfect, you're willing to do it. And I feel like that's yeah. one of the things that most people keep getting stuck on. It's they want to do it so perfect that yeah. they don't do anything. Yeah, I think that that's, I, I've, I've certainly had moments of that in my life. And I, I think that you're right in that there are too many people who have much more than moments in that space who ends up taking up too much of their lives. And we can't be paralyzed by fear. At least we can't stay stuck there for too long. 
So now let me ask you, what would you say to somebody that's dealing with anxiety, with depression, with suicide ideation? Like, what would you tell somebody that's going through things like that? Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you for that question. I don't normally get asked it. And I think it's an important one to be talking about. Um, for I, I love, you know, I'm 45 now. And I got to say, like, even just over the past few years, I've really noticed and have felt an admiration for how these younger generations are uh, navigating mental health. Um, it's it, they're the sort of destigmatization, speaking more, you know, just openly sharing tips and tricks, <laughs> the TikTok to TikTokification of, of it all, pros and cons there, because it can uh, at the same time keep some people from getting like more professional help. And, um, well, that's one thing is, um, don't be afraid to get professional help. I wish that I would have earlier. Um, in my life, I think it's a combination of the stigma that kept me from it, as well as money. Um, I, I spent is I, I would say particularly pre thirty two, maybe even thirty five. Like I've really struggled around money, and so <laughs> things have changed quite a bit. But um, that uh, so the idea of doing so sort of therapy felt financially out of reach, so I just didn't even think about it. Um, I know there are, are more things available now to to get some form of help or support, but don't do it all by yourself. Um, uh, men today tend to be extremely isolated and especially emotionally isolated and just feel like, oh, I'll figure it out by myself. I'll figure it out. Or when, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk to people about it when I feel better. <laughs> and uh, like, it's not, that's not benefiting you. It really isn't. Find people in your life who you can lean on. Um, be someone that other people can lean on, depending on where you, where you are. Uh, if, but if you need the support, get support. Get support. I often talk about men's circles and how at your event, right. which was the first time I went to a circle where it was only men, and it was men talking about being vulnerable and really like questioning, like, what does it mean to be a man? What do I do with this feminine energy? How do I manage my masculine energy in a safe, centered, grounded way? Right. And yeah. I had never been in a circle with other men talking about that type of stuff. Right. And so now I'm a huge advocate of men's circles and everywhere I go, I try to be part of that. Um, what are your thoughts? So, I, 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 um, uh, clearly I'm a big fan. Look, <laughs> don't my work. Clearly, I'm a big fan, and I want to say that that might be just what you need. It could be the the isolation, or you know, not having the spaces to speak about what's going on for you, or to be challenged or inspired by other men. Um, and it's also possible that you need that and some form of professional support that's specific around mental and emotional health. And I'm making a point to make that distinction because, you know, it's cliche in our society how much uh, men avoid any form of therapy. And we also live in a society with crazy stats when it comes to suicide, opiate addiction, alcoholism, like getting men getting completely lost into video games and pouring all these things that we do to numb ourselves, to not feel, to not actually address the things that need to get addressed. Yeah. And you know what I find so amazing? 
so especially the one in Colombia. So the one in, in Medellin, um, there's usually almost every week there's there's new people, new guys that come in. And every so often when there's a new guy that comes in, when he's new, usually he's like brand new. Like he's never heard of a med circle. He's like, what am I getting myself into? And by the time he leaves, he's like, wow, this is amazing. We need more of this. Right. And so it always blows my mind how little men know about men's circles. <laughs> like it's like, apparently it's just not common knowledge for the masses of men. And unfortunately, hence what you were just talking about, the isolation. Right. It's so easy to feel like we're alone, but we're not. There's a lot of tools. And I feel that now more than ever, there's a lot more men really stepping up to the plate of like, what does it mean to be a man? And you don't have to answer that by yourself. Yeah. Great. Right? And I think Great. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, I wish that I had more of that when I was in those deeper parts of those questions. I mean, again, 2007 was a very different time than 2023. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't even have a Facebook account. You know, the Instagram was not in existence yet. And certainly not TikTok, you know, none, none of these things. And it was, I definitely feel more alone in that sense. Um, and very little in the way of like good i mean that was a big part of the erotic rockstar journey for me is that i was looking for the healthy male role models and i was having a really hard time finding them and so i challenged myself to well what would it be for me to become the role model that i wish that i had right now mm-hmm. and and that's the challenge that i give to everybody watching this as well is like we there's so many who are actively seeking Good role models right now like who would you be if you chose to become one yeah how might that change you i love that because really sometimes that's that is our ticket that's like all right if i can't find what i want then how do i become it mm-hmm. how do i become that for others mm-hmm. and then it's like all right that's the role model that's like all right well if i didn't have a father if i didn't have a father figure if i didn't have older brother figures if i didn't have positive role models is that mm. going to be my excuse to be a shitty man? Or is that going to be my inspiration to be an honorable man that can inspire other men to follow suit? Right. And it's like, how do we choose to really stand stand inside of that? So I guess the last one. Uh, uh, so while stepping into or deciding to become the best role model that you can be for uh, uh, others, on one hand, it seems like it's for others. But really, you will change radically for the better in the process. Yeah. I think that's the beautiful part. That's the beautiful part of it. It's like that's the if you focus on yourself, the byproduct is that others will be influenced. Mm-hmm. Right. But the focus is always ourselves. It's how do I become a better version of myself for who? For me. Why? Because I deserve it, because I want to, because right. And that's I guess it's how do we how do we get to the root of what's possible from that limelight that we can look at it from a positive light? That regardless of our past, regardless of maybe shitty circumstances, that that doesn't have to define our future and it doesn't have to define our present. We're not stuck in our past. What would you say to people that that may be feeling like they're stuck, like they're defined by their past and they're just stuck with that? Well, you know, I have a chapter about this in my book, The Evolved Masculine, The Men the World Needs and the One She Craves at Amazon and Better Bookstores Everywhere. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> but, uh, 
the 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 chapter has to do with the re reorientation of your identity. So we spoke about being stuck in the past. Um, uh, this is the orientation that many of us um, were taught around where I am my history. Like I, uh, you know, when I was a kid, this happened to me, the other kids like made fun of me for this, or first time I asked a girl out, she shot me down and it affected me in this way. I had this sexual experience where this happened. They, da, 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 da. my dad was an asshole and blah, blah, blah. I had this one big fuck up in my life where I did something that, um, that really makes me a horrible human being and you know and then i guilt and shame about forevermore yeah on and on all these different things where we take these sets of experiences through our history and be like and, and that and this is who i am and so the reorientation is if that's the past to present model your past determines your present we're switching it to a present to future model of identity where I am the man I'm choosing to be in this moment and the man that I am choosing to become in the world. I am orienting myself towards a vision. I'm first, I'm cultivating a clear vision of the man, the woman, the person that I seek to become in this world. And then every day I am choosing actions that move me more and more in his or her direction. Every day I'm becoming this person more and more. And so you can judge yourself against, oh, I have this, this vision for self of who I want to be. And fuck, I'm not, I'm not that person. I, you know, I messed up in this way. Or, oh, I did that bad habit again. Da, da, da. That does not work. That's going to keep you stuck. Mm -hmm. No, just what can you do today that puts you, that, that has you acting more like him than you otherwise would have, than you did yesterday? Beautiful. And if you keep asking yourself that question, day after day you can't help but become more and more of this person yeah you become more aligned more aligned because you're asking the important questions destin dude thank you so much for your time brother now how do people get a hold of you how do they, how do they reach you where can they get your stuff where can they find your programs like how can they get to one of your retreats like fill us in Okay, well, uh, I'm a little inaccessible right now, <laughs> but I will say my website is evolvedmasculine.com. I am about to relaunch the Evolved Masculine podcast. I have 65 episodes that you can go through from the past, but it's been on hiatus for a couple of years and um, about to hit go on that again. And uh, likewise, all the social media, I've been pretty quiet on these past couple of years and revving things back up to go full force. So you could also find me on Instagram at Evolved Masculine. Uh, I have a pretty non-existent TikTok account at Evolved Masculine that as soon as they give me access again, I got locked out. <laughs> I intend to start engaging with it, including perhaps clips from this. Um, and uh, I'm on Facebook as well, Destin Garrick. And um, yeah, find me on your favorite social and say hi. Um, particularly if you you listen to this, um, then say hello. Let me know uh, who you are and uh, maybe I can point you in the right direction, give you some free resource. And of course, buy the book. Buy the book. I put 300 pages of my deepest wisdom and insights that I gathered over the past 25 years. 
Beautiful. Dude, thank you again so much for your time. Thank you for taking, um, for sharing your insights, your wisdom, your experience, brother. Um, we got to talk about your journey on how you started from before the rock star, uh, where you were more involved with your feminine energy and realizing, all right, this is cool because it gives you access to the world of women that most men probably will never know of. Yes. And yet that there's a piece that was missing, which yes, you can be very safe, but that isn't necessarily sexy or attractive, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was adding that second piece of that desire and that token to like really balance that, which I love that we got to talk about that. Then we talked uh, about- Sorry, I, I got to see that for a moment, but the truth is as I integrated my masculine in a, a powerful and healthy way, I'm actually, women feel even safer around me now. It's a different kind of safety that they feel in my presence. Before there was just, there was simply a, a, a safety of he's harmless. Now that there's an added safety of um, they won't be harmed by anyone or anything while in my presence. Oh, I love that. I love, and that, that's, there, that's very key. I, I want to highlight that because one is like, you're harmless. Like you're not going to do anything. Right. But that mm -hmm. doesn't even mean safety either. Right. Not that doesn't all. necessarily mean safe. Right versus a protector. When you yeah. hear of a protector, it's like, oh, that that he's deadly, but I feel safe around this deadly person. Yes, and I feel like there's a there's a difference there where it's like the safety of like ah, I can I can release and I can relax. Versus the other one is like I can relax because I know he's not going to do anything, but can I trust him to actually stand up to like danger? Like if yeah. something before happens, now, get up? before absolutely. In fact, you could trust that I wouldn't have. <laughs> so I think that's huge. That's a really, really important distinction as well. Because oftentimes it, I, I was talking to one of my buddies and I was like, I gave him a stick. I'm like, how would you hit somebody with a stick? He's like, oh, bro, I'm not a fighter. I'm like, I know you're not a fighter. But what if you had to protect somebody? Like, what if somebody was going to like endanger and you like, what would you do? And then he like something switched. It was like, oh, OK, I can see that. Right. And so it's like not looking at it from like we have to become men and we have to be these fighters and aggressive people that are constantly out to kill, but rather we can be relied upon to provide safety, to be and create a safe space more than just the emotional and spiritual safety, but also that physical aspect. So um, I again, I feel like we can talk for hours and I want to respect your time. Um, so I do want to acknowledge you again, once again, and for everyone that listened on this episode, I hope you guys got some really good nuggets, uh, from this episode. And like, like Dustin said, he's got a couple of, uh, he's got his podcast as well coming out. Um, he's got his book out. So definitely check out his book. Definitely check out his website, his programs. Um, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please, please, please share it with someone, you know, someone that may benefit from what we've talked about. Um, if you can leave a review, uh, on any of your favorite uh, podcast platforms. And once again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in and supporting the ignite the spark within podcast until next time. Keep igniting that spark within. Boom.